um, it's interesting how how we become Christians, how we encounter God in the context of where we encounter him shapes our identity, shapes how we see church, shapes how we um, engage with God. One of the biggest, I think, problems for the church over history are revivals. Because all we then try to do is re-mimic those revivals rather than stop and think, how is God talking to us here and now? If I encounter God in a, uh, in a tent where there's lots of music, the emotion's high, and I just have this incredible encounter with God, I then, as a Christian, try to mimic that encounter week in, week out. And if I've encountered God by logically trying to make sound logical then I argue my point week in, week out it's interesting how we are shaped as Christians by those experiences of how we feel we've encountered God and sometimes we force it we force those experiences to happen we pray vigilantly and almost demandingly for revival or we call the Holy Spirit upon us because we want to engage with that feeling again. And it usually only happens in a building or in a specific context because once we walk out of those buildings, then our lives are very different. Jesus this morning has been, in the Sermon on the Mount, has been challenging what the law is and how we interpret it. He's now come to a point where he's actually calling on some very personal specific things about ourselves and how we engage with God. He opens up with this. He says in Matthew chapter 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Just because this is what it looks like doesn't necessarily mean it's what it should be. He's trying to get to the heart of where you're at. You know, good old Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theatre, but God who made you won't be applauding. It's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? It's a, it's a hard word. It's deeply personal. When we talk about adultery and murder, you know, that's the law. But now he's getting quite personal. He's talking to us specifically. How, how are you engaging in this? And putting this into context, you know, he started this whole ministry with these words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he's saying, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. Repenting means to turn around, come back in that. You're going this way. I need you to turn away from that. Repent. He says, you're going in the wrong direction. You know what? Violence will, not, will only bring you destruction. Because that's what they're contemplating. They're contemplating, how do we overthrow this empire? But he's saying, Jesus is overthrowing empires is not your job. In fact, all this planning and politicking and infighting, I want to ask you a very specific question. What's going on in your heart? 
Where are you at? You think you're pious, but look again. And this is a challenging word for the Jews 2,000 years ago, but even more so for us Christ followers today. Because at times, it feels like we're making a performance out of it. I've been part of a number of different churches, both charismatic and conservative and all of that. And I'm amazed by how much people engage with God in a corporate setting. But outside of that, they're very different people. There is this feeling in the world that Christians are hypocritical because we don't really do what Jesus says. And so Jesus hammers us. He hits on just three simple, basic things. We call them spiritual disciplines. Now, you need to understand, back then, spiritual disciplines were, were normal. You, you, you basically went to school. You didn't study science or math or anything. Like that. You studied the Torah. You, you learned, you memorized the Bible, the first five books of the Bible. Imagine if that was like here today. You know, your kids would not be studying, you know, philosophy or anything else. They'd be just reading the Bible the whole time. Right? So there's a good spiritual discipline. They'd be praying at least twice a day. Publicly and corporately, twice a day. They'd be going to the synagogue to listen to sermons to be instructed even more. They would be going to the temple uh, multiple times for, for readings, for learnings, for sacrificing, confession, confession of sins. This was a society based on spiritual disciplines. But Jesus is telling him, you're not disciplined at all. You show that you are, but deep down you're actually not. You're missing it. You're actually missing it. Just for our own information, there's a couple of books I want to challenge you to, if you haven't read them before, to pick them up and read. Richard Foster's one of them, The Celebration of Discipline, but Dallas Willard as well, called The Spirit of Disciplines, where they really challenge us. If you want to grow in God, you've got to discipline yourself to grow. It doesn't happen uh, through osmosis. And, and this is what happens because our first encounter with, with Jesus for some of us is this incredible moment where we feel his spirit and we're changed and we walk away from that going, oh my goodness. But then we expect that to happen every day and it doesn't. And in a society like New Zealand, which I find incredible when it comes to physical discipline, you guys are so fit. You see the All Blacks. I mean, I remember rugby when I was a kid. They're all fat and big guys. You see the rugby players going out now. They're man, they're buff and they're well built and they're and and most Kiwi people are physically well disciplined. That's because they've taken time and effort to work at it. God's called us to become spiritually disciplined, and it takes time and effort and a lot of sacrifice. Um, 
Richard Foster in his book breaks down what, what spiritual disciplines look like. He breaks it into three ways. One is inward, inward disciplines, which, you know, meditation, prayer, fasting, study, those are inward disciplines. And, and he argues that we need to be doing this every day, all three of them that I'm going to put up there. The inward disciplines are those. Then there's the outward disciplines, which are simplicity, you know, living a simple life, submission and service. And then corporate disciplines, which... Uh, include confession, worship, and celebration. You know, when I, people tell me, why do I need to go to church? I'm a Christian. Church is just, uh, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I've been doing this for a long time. But church is actually a discipline. Corporate worship is a discipline. And unfortunately, we tend to, and, and do a whole bunch of other things. My, my own spiritual advisor, my, my, my uh, you know, supervisor at Bible college, a guy named Michael Frost, big on just getting out there and connecting with God, which was a discipline that was missing back then. But now we've just gone completely out the other door where I'll, I'll, I'll discipline when I'm out on, you know, skiing, water skiing. He was big into water skiing or fishing or this and that. Sure, absolutely. But don't forget the corporate worship is a discipline. There's a reason why many of us Sunday morning feel, oh, do I have to do this? Yeah. Three ways of looking at it. So Jesus gives us three points. He tackles just these three points. I'm not going to dwell too much on the prayer and fasting. I will a little bit on the giving to the poor. Later on uh, next week, I'll talk more about the prayer and what he talks about with prayer. But he hits these three very basic topics that, as a nation of, 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 of Israel, were, were basics. Today, I, I wouldn't call some of this basic for us. Giving to the poor, maybe. Prayer, we try. Fasting, I'm not sure how many actually do it. And by the way, when we come to fasting, in the Bible, more than half the verses aren't talking about personal fasting. They talk about corporate fasting, what we do together. When was the last time a church called to, be, to go fasting and do that together? So these are things that were quite normal back then. For us, maybe not today. And if we talk about what the disciplines look like, well, Tobit. Anyone heard of the book of Tobit? <laughs> Some of you are like, is that actually a book? Well, actually it is. The Catholics in particular, but also uh, the, um, uh, the Orthodox um, have this as one of their canons, one of their canonic books. You can actually get this in an NIV version because it is even amongst Protestants, it's still considered, even though not canonical, it's still considered an important book. And up until the third century, it was part of a collection of works that they considered to be inspired. In this book, it says this, prayer with fasting is good, but better than both is almsgiving with righteousness. A little with righteousness is better than wealth with wrongdoing. It is better to give alms than to lay up gold. For almsgiving saves from death and purges away every sin. Those who give alms will enjoy a full life, but those who commit sin and do wrong are their own worst enemies. Basically what it's saying is this is how important giving to the poor is. Now let me just say, in New Zealand in particular, 
what we see as poor today is very different to what they saw as poor back in those days. It was an agrarian society. If you just had one frost overnight and killed your crops, you didn't eat the next day. If some marauders came and, and, and took all your, your crops, you had no food for a week or two or three. Pestilence, wild animals, families would be left completely starving with no food. Sickness. There's a reason why widows were looked upon really importantly because they were discarded in those days and even today, sometimes. We have systems that, that kind of work here in New Zealand. So our poor is a little bit different. But that doesn't stop almsgiving. It doesn't necessarily mean giving money. It's giving support. It's walking alongside. It's caring. It's loving. For the poor, giving to the poor, it's, it's an inward discipline of sacrifice. It's an outward discipline of service. And corporately, it's intercession. We intercede for those who do not have, for those who are marginalized, for those who are lonely, for those who are discarded, who are left to the side that society has turned their back on. Isn't it interesting in New Zealand, have you ever heard of immigrants that come uneducated and with no jobs? Have you ever heard of INZ, Immigration New Zealand, giving out, um, you know, immigration uh, citizenship to a poor, homeless, uneducated person? No. They're all well-educated. They've got to have a certain amount of money. You know, for me to be a permanent resident, I have to stay here for 24 months or give the government a million dollars. That says a lot about how we view, as a society, poor and educated. They have to be refugees if they want to get into this country. I've got a problem with that. There's a reason why many in the world are poor and uneducated. It's because they don't have the ability, the possibility, the opportunity. Anyway, sorry, I'm on my high horse and I've got a short amount of time. So that's giving to the poor. Inward discipline, sacrifice, outward discipline, service, corporate discipline, and session. If you think about prayer, prayer is itself an inward discipline, outward discipline, submission. It's hard to pray. It's hard to be in a prayer meeting. I'll tell you that. I've done it for years, and it's hard every time. How long is this going to take? How long are they going to talk? When are they going to stop? What do I say? All those things run through our heads. And sometimes we get distracted by other things. You know, submission, very important outward discipline. And then corporate discipline, it's worship. When we, we, we lift our voices to God, when we, when we raise him up. And fasting is interesting because fasting is itself a discipline. Outward discipline, it shows simplicity. We can live a simple life because that's what God has called us to be. And the corporate discipline is confession. We, as a church, the Israelites did this. They fasted when they were confessing as a group of people. Lord, we're sorry. Lord, we're interceding. Help us. These are the disciplines that sometimes maybe today we as Christians aren't really embracing. And here Jesus is challenging us. Hey, you know what the law is. You know what to do. You know what's right and what's wrong. But I want to challenge where your hearts are at. 
Because if we go back to that first verse, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others uh, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you read that, you think, righteousness, what does that mean? And N.T. Wright kind of breaks this down so well. He says this, what matters is learning to do them simply to and for God himself. All the Sermon on the Mount, in fact, is centered on God himself, who easily gets squeezed out of religion if we're not careful. So this week is the challenge. Go on a regime of spiritual discipline. Put as much effort into it as you do physically. Take time out to pray. Take time out maybe to fast. Even if it's a short time. Not doing it for any other purpose but for God. And maybe take a moment to think, who are those around you that are poor? Maybe not financially, but opportunity-wise. Life-wise, the widows around you, the kids who have parents who just can't look after them, or the grandparents who become parents again. There is a lot in our society who are poor, maybe not physically, but emotionally, in need. That is your challenge this week. Those are three simple things that Jesus gives his people, us, his followers. There might be other disciplines that you need to maybe revisit, take a look at, be challenged by. But the biggest challenge is get into a regime. There's the prayer course tonight. That's one way of doing it. There's a Bible study tonight, another way of doing it. It's not an easy step. I need to stop now. It's 10.45. It's funny, last night while I'm sending out emails and everything, I'm thinking, oh no, I have to reduce my sermon real quick. It's good discipline. Let us pray. Father God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't just stop at the law, that you don't just stop at the basics, but you go straight to the heart. And I pray for the challenge that you've laid at our feet this morning. Help us, Lord, to uh, exercise that discipline in our lives, to be the prayer warriors you've called us to be, to be those who are eye out for those around us in need whether it's a spiritual need or even a physical need. And that corporately and individually, inwardly, outwardly, that we can work on these disciplines and become the true people that you've called us to be, Lord, with our hearts only for you. Help those who are about to embark on this journey this week Remind us, Holy Spirit, challenge us in Jesus' name. Amen. Feels weird not to end on a song, but I am going to ask you all to make your way out through my left, your right, and may God bless you this week. Amen.